0: Welcome to The Power Switch, gaming's call in talk radio show. My name is Peter Spasia, and today is February 26th, 2017. This is the 13th episode of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We use Discord as a means to add and drop callers to talk about video games and switch the power that's found in a typical gaming podcast. You can join our server to participate during recordings at rhymeswithasia.com slash call. And so, not to be bad luck or anything like that 13 episodes and now it's time to finally introduce our first guest co-host i'm proud to introduce alex o'neill welcome to the power switch thank you for having me on it's a pleasure no problem i mean yeah we get different callers to call in but they only stay for a certain part of the show and so i wanted to get in different voices to kind of join for the whole duration of the show and so you come from an extensive podcasting background as well uh, so kind of tell us a little bit about yourself
1: Sure. Uh, yeah, I I've been podcasting for about like six and a half years or so, mm-hmm. give or take. I host a show called Irrational Passions Podcast, which I, I founded with a a few friends uh, in the July of 2010. And it's a video game podcast. It's very much an homage to the Giant Bombcast in a lot of ways. It's a longer show, and it's it's more of like a conversational talk about the games that are coming out, talk about the news. Show it's it's very. I don't want to say basic because I think it's it's more personality driven. I'll I'll say that much. And I, mm-hmm. I've been doing that for so long. I've branched off into other things. I write. I freelance wrote for a few sites in the past. And yeah, I'm I'm just all over video games as much as I can be.
0: Yeah, it's an impressive dedication. And, you know, as as someone who's been At this sort of game a long time as well, I can appreciate and really respect that as well. It's great to have you on. You asked me to be on one of your Game of the Year podcasts at the end of last year. And uh, we have an interesting story of how we know each other, which we'll get into. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I I wanted to return the favor and kind of, you know, bring you on as this kind of
1: inaugural guest co-host. Yeah, it's super cool to be the first one, too. And, you know, you get me not just for one call-in, so for the whole Monty. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be fun, I think.
0: Now, if you're new to the show, we're hoping to have these podcasts happen at least every weekend, but also during certain weekdays, generally lining up with the evenings when big game news breaks. Now, 1st we I'll open the show for about 10 minutes to reflect on the show's main topic. And after a small commercial break, we'll set up callers to join the show to either discuss the show's main topic or bring up any gaming question of their own choosing. Once that's run its course, I'll end the show with one segment we'll call it a day, hopefully in about an hour's time. And if it sounds like your kind of podcast, let's get right into it. We'll talk about Nintendo Switch and the hype that is accelerating as we're less than one week away from launch. But I want you all to meet Alex a little bit more, and so I kind of just wanted to start and ask a few questions to kind of, you know, flesh out who you are and what your passions are with those those irrational passions there of mm. you know games and and what you're interested in. But I, I first want to start kind of how we came across each other, because right? I, I think it's it's pretty interesting story on both sides.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I started doing a, a podcast for Super Smash Brothers Brawl uh, back in 2007, so we're all almost approaching 10 years now, and it was called Show Me Your News. And, uh, you know, of the different people that listened, I remembered a user called alfighter27. Now, that may not have meant much back then. I mean, it was as another name, another fan, and really appreciated it. But when you brought me onto Irrational Passions and you mentioned how Show Me Your News is one of the first gaming podcasts that you listened to, I mean, that's, that's a huge blast from the past almost an honor in a way for me it was
1: the first
0: wow Uh, Wow. yeah
1: and and it was not it was the second podcast i ever listened to the first one i ever listened to was actually muggle cast oh yeah that's a classic yeah huge harry potter fan and i think because i was i was so young i was 14 at the time so uh my god 14 when i listened to muggle cast 15 when i listened to show me your news Hmm. uh, if that makes it any better but
0: yeah and I, I thought you know 19 and 20 like, just like i was 19 years old when i started doing the show and but yeah i mean I, I know there were a lot of people that were younger i mean there's another uh he was 13 at the time but now he's he's gone and hosted his own show and but just to think like from small beginnings uh, until now like that that is that's wild and so mm. I imagine it was one of the shows that got you thinking like i'd like to do this i'd like to talk about games and i think that's one of the things i'm most proud of is when people kind of take That inspiration in a way and craft something of their own and especially for you for you know more than six years six and a half years like that is impressive dedication i mean most people when they start podcasts like they'll they'll quit out after a couple months like it's it's tough to do but when you find something that you really want to do and you're inspired by like that's that's really impressive
1: yeah and it, it was i think at that time it was a boiling over point for the things that i'm super passionate about like harry potter like had just ended so that's why I just, I was so into it. I was so craving that discussion. That's why I started seeking these outlets for it. And that's when I kind of just discovered podcasting as a format in general. So, of course, a year later, when my excitement for Super Smash Brothers, of all things, was at a boiling point, I needed to find something that could like feed that excitement and just hearing conversations. It was like great to have other people to talk about that community to talk with about that and yeah it boiled over and i think at that point is when i knew that i wanted to do something like this to have a website to have a show uh and it was just a matter of time before it would happen
0: eventually yeah yeah absolutely and brawl was just it was a crazy time and you know with smash brothers wii u and all that during that hype cycle i kind of revisited a lot of old uh old feelings about what the smash hype cycle is like and that's that's always really interesting but it comes to the kind of funny community at the end of the day and all the best friends there uh at pax east 2016 Mm. my wife visited boston and she went to the kind of funny panel yes and if those that were there and or if they saw the exclusive that went up that was the pax east panel for 2016 that year uh she brought British chocolate because she's from Britain and, you know, gave it to the guys and jokes had back and forth. And so I was curious to check out her Twitter mentions after she mentioned that. And there was interactions you know with Greg Miller and all that. And Alfighter 27 was among the mentions. I'm like, that name, that name, like I, I remember that name. And then it's tied to Alex O'Neill, which greg miller's dropped on you know the game over greggy show the kind of funny games cast the different podcasts he's mentioned is people that he's he's always impressed with you know continuing to pursue their interests and just just do it and keep working at it and so it was it was a surreal moment for me when my wife texted me and she's like there's this alex i'm like i think he's a former show me your news fan like how fucking weird is that yeah uh and so we, we get to chatting and sure enough that's the case and uh yeah, I, I think in a way we're almost uh, kindred spirits in a way to kind of know the pain of, uh, but also the pleasure of <laughs> continuing to podcast for so long and uh, the different opportunities that may arise from it.
1: Yeah, it's it's super cool and it's always a weird thing when like Greg would put me on blast or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I like I have a lot of other friends in that community that go through the similar feelings and similar happenings. So yeah, it's... That was definitely a small world moment for me where I was like, oh, snap. Like, I totally didn't even think about that. Yeah,
0: yeah. And then he's been on your podcast. You had him as, as a guest and you got to meet him. Like, that,
1: that's that got to be all sorts of just uh, amazing, really. Yeah, that dude is, he's as big a heart as he does a personality. I'll say mm-hmm. that much. And that yeah. that's awesome to see that those people really do exist in real life. And he's a great dude. Absolutely
0: an inspiration for sure. What are some of your other adventures in podcasting then? I mean, I'm sure you've had many memorable episodes or just experiences or opportunities that hosting a show about games has provided you.
1: Yeah, and I think the biggest one, and it's relevant because it's coming up as well, has been PAX East. Being able to get accepted into PAX East's press and cover that show has been some of the most fun I've I've ever had. This coming year, uh, next month, we are going as like a team for the first time since 2014. So there'll Very be five cool. of us there. We'll, we'll all be working, we'll all be covering stuff. And it's some people I'm really excited to work with. Uh, so it's three of the folks have never been to PAX ever before. Uh, and just like um, in 2014, when we had a big team go there before, it was a lot of people's first PAX. And those are always the most exciting moments because there's just a passion that comes out of people when that happens that I think provide some of the best work that people ever do and mm-hmm. that's one of them for sure being in, able to interview a lot of really cool folks like uh, john romero i've gotten to interview oh, wow nice uh greg miller obviously and him and i also did another kind of like one-on-one show where we did a spoiler cast for batman arkham knight after that came out uh and that was more of like a joke where someone tweeted at both of us saying that we should do that and then we ended up making it happen which was really <laughs> yeah, fun. why
0: not why not absolutely
1: also, like getting to talk to a lot of different indie developers uh, and, and kind of grow through that as well, and, and really having a lot of in depth conversations. Like the Oct Club Games guys are super cool, and, and them kind of recognize, like, oh, yeah, you wrote this specific preview. And, and that was, and we had that great conversation about that. So, being able to meet people and go to events and, and cover things and, and just do work like, it, all of this is work, but it, is, it doesn't sound like work at all because it is so much fun. That has been some of the greatest rewards from rational passions for me, and then mm-hmm. outside of that, I've done other shows. Like I host a a podcast about the OC with a couple of friends now called the Bro C, where we <laughs> are rewatching the OC, which is it's pretty much my first time ever watching the OC. I've seen season one, but okay. I haven't seen really any much past that. Um, so once we get there, which we're already like almost through season one, which is super weird. And I've done shows with other folks that you know have been to varying degrees of success, like anime podcasts, and um, I have a few other projects that are hopefully coming up soon as well. so
0: yeah, it's almost kind of what you have to do, and I, I can totally relate with where you know yeah, you focused on one show and you really put your efforts into that, but you eventually want to talk about other things, so yeah yeah, whether it's anime, whether it's sports, just other things that you enjoy it's it's just part of you know spreading out and just continuing to hone that craft, really for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, as far as your favorite games or series, I mean, just kind of give us a, a rundown of what are some of the highlights of what you've experienced in games?
1: There's a list out there. Uh, it's probably not definitive because I always tell folks, I always have the caveat of my favorite games of all time always change depending on the day you ask me, you know, with the exception of a few. Like my favorite game of all time is Persona 4 Golden. My uh, man. Yeah, yes. exactly. Like yes. that, game, that game speaks to me. Yeah. Uh, and part of that is, you know, because I ended up, I actually am one of the few people that played Persona Three Fez. Mm, uh, same, I, same. I, I love that game. So, and I yeah. think it's very true that everyone who's played Persona Three and then played Persona Four, like Persona Four, is like, whoa, yeah, because yeah. part of the magic of Persona Four is seeing how much that team grew from going from one game to the next. For sure. Which uh, it has me so excited because so many people I know. Uh, have played Persona 4 Golden and say it's their favorite game of all time. So just knowing that studio and knowing that oh, of course these guys have gotten even better since then. Even like seeing something like Catherine, which I know not a lot of people like, but I really like. Um, it's a great story, a great story. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's like just a, a quirky, weird game that has so many fun concepts in it. It's very mm-hmm. much an experiment, and I feel like you don't see successful experiments a lot in games right now. So knowing all these people who've played Persona 4, when they go into 5 and just see like the growth that that company can do between games, I think it's really going to blow people away. There's a whole list of reasons why Persona 5 is going to be great, uh, or at least I firmly believe it will be, uh, and that's that's definitely one of them. Uh, the Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past, uh, which is one of my absolute favorite games ever. Uh, I'm one of those weirdos where uh, Majora's Mask is my favorite 3D Zelda. Okay, yeah, I, I think it's
0: definitely a big fraction of people who would say that mm-hmm. for sure.
1: I think they've gotten louder since that 3DS really release <laughs> came out. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but A Link to the Past is still my favorite in that franchise, and it has you know two parts like being a great game, and then one part of being just like nostalgia and, and watching my brother play through that the first time, and then playing through it myself years later, uh, and and really falling in love with it. Uh, the Last of Us, I think, is it speaks for itself. Of course, uh, for me of course. That, that was like we did um, a segment on our podcast on Rational Passions podcast where we went through like what we thought was the game of the previous generation. For me, it was The Last of Us. We had varying kind of ideas with that. Like Demon Souls was brought up in that conversation a lot, which is interesting. Is cool. Yeah, um, I, I would definitely put my vote in for The Last of Us as well. Yeah, and I think that that really represents the kind of growth of that generation as a whole. Um, Kingdom March Two is. Final Mix specifically is is also one of my absolute all-time favorite games. Really great game, for sure. Uh, I get a lot of flack for being a Kingdom Hearts fan and some of it is deserved, I think. <laughs> uh, but also that series is is very cool and has done a lot of very cool things. And uh, to round out like those five, Tales of Vesperia is also one of my absolute all-time favorite games.
0: Yeah, a few years ago, I started playing Tales with Symphonia. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was told, you know, Vesperia is one you got to check out. And I, I started to play Abyss and got maybe 10 hours in. We were going to do it on, on co-op. I still got to continue that with, uh, with my friend. But uh, Vesperia is one I always hear really high praise for. And, you know, Troy Baker's performance
1: as Yuri. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just I hear a lot of good things. Here's my question that'll tell me if you liked Sim assuming you like Tales of Symphonia,
0: um, I, I did. I mean, there were, there were odd parts. Uh, there's, yeah. there's the forest kind of near the end of the game. Yeah. I wasn't really a fan of that dungeon, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, but, but overall, I mean, the characters, the storytelling, the, the gameplay is engaging. I, mm-hmm. I really enjoy it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, this will tell you if Tales of Vesperia will really work for you. Uh, have you ever played the, the two first Paper Mario games? Yes. Yeah. Uh, for me, like I love Paper Mario: The Thousand Year Door. Another one of my all time favorites. It's,
0: it's it's definitely I'd say it's better than the first one, but yeah it's, yeah, it's great, and that's why you know the sequels have never lived up to it.
1: Yeah, and for me, like the the growth from Paper Mario one to Thousand Year Door, where it's in a lot of cases it's kind of treading familiar territory, but it's executing on it so much better than the first one did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a lot more fun to play. That is what Tales of Vesperia in comparison to like Abyss or Symphonia is.
2: Hmm. Okay. Uh,
1: where it's not a huge departure mechanically. They add a lot of new things in that game that are very, very cool, but it executes on all those ideas. Leagues and Bounds better, and the narrative that ties all that together is far more interesting. So the kind of growth from like a Symphonia to a Vesperia is similar to the kind of growth to a Paper Mario to a Thousand Year Door. I so, think that's
0: a that's a really intriguing comparison for sure. I,
1: I wrote about it recently, which is why it's in my head. Oh, okay, because <laughs> <laughs> you've been uh,
0: you've been playing uh, Berseria, if I yes. remember correctly. Yeah. So we'll we'll talk about it at the end of the show. We'll talk about the games you're playing recently. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I find it funny you mentioned Link to the Past because that's what I'm playing at okay. the moment. Uh, I only got so far when I tried it years ago on Wii Virtual Console. Okay. So you never, uh, yeah, never finished it. Yeah, I never finished it. And I actually only got, I didn't even get through the second dungeon. Like, I I was starting with only so much health, and the boss was tricky, you know, Mm -hmm. because I'd never played, you know, like 2D games. Like, my first console was a GameCube. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I had, you know, Pokemon and then like a Game Boy Advance, but like that, it really doesn't count. You like, when you don't get raised on, you know, NES and Super Nintendo, like, it's a different skill set when you're, when you grow up thinking with the 3D mindset versus the 2D. So, uh, getting through it now, uh, I'm, I beat the Ice Palace, so I'm I'm pretty far yeah. along. That's like
1: the uh, eighth or sixth or seventh dungeon in the Dark it's, World, right? It
0: was the, the fifth crystal. So, okay. yeah, I got a, a couple more. But, yeah, so getting through it, really enjoying it, just kind of get a different Zelda experience before Breath of the Wild rolls along. So, yeah, I'm, that's, and I'm, that's yeah, my I'm favorite Zelda series. It. So,
1: I'm, yeah, I'm glad that you're enjoying
0: it. Very, very good. Let's get into talking about Nintendo Switch. I feel it's a, an appropriate transition. Uh, we're less than a week away from it. Where does your hype level stand for this?
1: It is it is grown exponentially in the last <laughs> yeah, really? 3 really? days right. uh, because of kind of the Zelda preview stuff coming mm, out. Yeah. But man. Yeah. I like I'm I've always been excited even after the the conference because I think I'm still genuinely really excited about that hardware. Uh, like getting my hands on it sounds it's just like it's all I want to do right now. It's just yeah. actually feel what that thing feels like and and be able to play it all the while remarking on a lot of the missteps Nintendo has made with it so far. Hmm. So, I do you have one pre-ordered? Is are you planning on getting one at launch? Pre-ordered, ready to go from Amazon. So, yeah. I didn't get the cool neon ones, but you know, it's all right.
0: See, I I'm, I I like the colors separately. I don't like them <laughs> together. And I know what Nintendo put out a video that said, uh, like, Oh, that's great. We, we, it an accident. And then they really happened to like them. Not, not for me. I'm, I'm fine with the, the gray and just I think when in, in public because I, I travel a lot and I'm really, really digging the portable aspect of it. And so when people see me playing this device, I don't want to have to explain like, oh, well, it, it kind of looks kitty like a toy because of these colors. But it's really an actually, you know, really nice device. I think, you know, the, the gray and the, the kind of monochromatic tones kind of speaks for itself. Yeah,
1: I think it, like the gray stuff, it just it looks much more uh, less like a toy, let's say. Yeah. Um, yeah. More adults. Uh, and I think that that works, especially after the Wii U gamepad. So, right. Right. Absolutely.
0: Now you're also getting Breath of the Wild. I take it. I mean, probably like more than 90% of the people would be also on board with that. Is is there a certain edition that you're, you're pre-ordered
1: for or? I'm, I'm just regular. I'm not huge on collector's editions. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one I will be buying in like three and a half years is the Persona one. Yeah, um, yeah. that franchise speaks for itself for me. So I like I need it. I like I don't even care what it is. I just I'll spend eighty dollars on that game just because. uh that, that so, Take Your Heart
0: edition is so good I mean, with the, yeah. the messenger bag and the Morgana
1: plush and yes. the CD.
0: Like, yeah, just bring it on.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like w- whatever it is, just yeah, it's like that and. Maybe if there's a Kingdom Hearts 3 collector's edition, which I can't see a world where there wouldn't be. Uh, well, with
0: how Square Enix handled Final Fantasy 15 I'm sure there will be.
1: Yeah, as long as it's not like $350 or something. Oh, it God, is. yeah. Some people will pay it. Some people yeah. will pay it. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know Kingdom Hearts fans. <laughs> yeah, so, I know. Yeah.
0: so I'm on board for the special edition of Breath okay. of the Wild, and uh, I didn't see the need for the extra $30 uh, with the sword. Mm-hmm. But then, in hindsight, when you think of then they talk about the the twenty dollars season pass. I'm like, well, that that cost will might as well just get made up somewhere else. Um, okay, exactly. I want the case. The case would probably be a good idea for something like this. Uh, the soundtrack. I'm really interested to see what they put on that soundtrack or you know what people pull from the game. That should be really interesting. But yeah, I'm I'm really excited for that. I cannot wait. And like you say, it's it's the portability. It's just I, I want that in my hands. I know. We're going to get it set up here so that my wife can stream Breath of the Wild because she's getting back into the Twitch and Mm -hmm. all that. So really, really exciting. As you mentioned, the preview coverage has been astounding, especially for Breath of the Wild. I mean, when you come off of Horizon (laughs) and all of the, the reviews that that game got and people are talking, you know, 95s and, you know, 9 out of 10s, 10 out of 10s. And like that's better than what a lot of people expected. I mean, people were expecting high marks, but to exceed that. And now you have people saying that every Zelda game they talk about if it's going to beat Ocarina is the best one. And well, no, this one doesn't necessarily do it. When you have people saying that, oh, well, I'm getting feelings that I haven't felt in over 20 years because of the exploration of an open world that feels limitless. Yeah. Like move over Ocarina. Like, holy crap.
1: Yeah, and it's terrifying because it's not just... The usual suspects, or, or something. There have been a lot of people that I know are going into this like with a hard edge, saying like, I, "You really need to do something to impress me," and hearing just how like the game just indoctrinates you to its its charm. Has been like really rewarding, especially coming off of Horizon, which I think is new in a lot of ways. Again, having not played it, mm-hmm. uh, but I feel that game brings a lot new and special, especially from a studio like Gorilla that hasn't done something like that before. Yeah, so Zelda coming in right after that, hearing a lot of people who have played one and are going right into the other, and just hearing how much more they are impressed with Zelda honestly like astounds me. I was terrified that horizon was going to completely outshine zelda because of on a technical level pretty much
0: yeah yeah and you just have people playing on ps4 pro and just like oh i have it in 4k oh it's amazing yeah exactly but yeah there's i mean some people say you know there are a couple issues with frame rates for some reason especially in the uh docked mode because it's pushing out the higher resolution more things mm-hmm. are on screen but really that's that's been about all i mean you have jason schreier saying like oh the the sprint's in a weird position the sprint button Uh, And you can't really change it. But other than that, like everything's a pro. I think Nintendo's done a really good job, particularly with when you compare it to something like Pokemon Sun and Moon. And how Sun and Moon just kept bombarding you with just release after release of video. And we were spoiled, essentially, for a lot of what Sun and Moon had to offer. And for Breath of the Wild, I think they've had a lot of the secrets still under wraps. And in a way, I'm almost proud of the internet that that hasn't been rampant. That hasn't been everywhere. That's, it's really exciting to kind of go into this really fresh.
1: Yeah, and honestly, I, I there's a confidence that Nintendo is exuding with Breath of the Wild that I feel like I've never seen them have before because there have been less videos of them. And I would say across the, the month of February, they've been pretty quiet on that. Mm-hmm. And now this preview embargo is going up where people can talk about the first five hours, although many folks have been talking about a bit past that because it's kind of ambiguous what you yeah. would see in that first five hours and they have just been silent through all of this and these previews have all been glowing like i haven't seen anyone be negative on this game having played either it. yeah yeah I, I know i made a, a prediction
0: lot. at the beginning of the year that said like oh breath of the wild will have the highest metacritic of any game at the end of 2017 and like when you start to have the amazing start that 2017 has had it's like oh man that might be in jeopardy but seeing these kind of previews it's like nope that that feels pretty safe. We'll see when uh, mm-hmm. the reviews come out on March second. But I'm glad that's only you know the day before because if we're getting all these reviews and it's like it was still another week out, like I don't know if I could wait.
1: Yeah, and there's yeah. definitely a lot to be to be seen yet because if that game really is 100 plus hours long or has 100 plus hours of content in it, it could absolutely overstay its welcome. So mm. this could take a dark turn at the end of this, although I don't yeah. expect it to. Yeah,
0: I mean, you had The Witcher 3 and its problems where it's just you, you flooded the map with things to do and it was just insurmountable, really. Mm-hmm. Now, another uh, issue in the preview coverage has been the issues of Joy-Cons, particularly the left Joy-Con controller desyncing yeah. when away from the Switch tablet. Uh, you've had different remarks from people saying that, you know, Nintendo, Nintendo America, they're aware of the issue. Different things ranging from saying that they are coming up with a fix to there is a day one patch that should sort it out. I'm not sure what to believe. I can honestly believe that, you know, they're aware, like they've been reading these previews, things like they're, I'm sure they're aware of the issue and the videos that can replicate it. They're doing extensive testing. I'd imagine back at base. How worried are you that this might mar an otherwise potentially stellar launch?
1: I don't know. And I think, in my head, this would speak more questionably about the actual hardware. Hopefully, this is something that is sorted out before consumers get their hands on it because mm-hmm. at least in the circles that that I've seen or that I participate in, a lot of people are going in like very, very negatively about the switch, yet they're still buying one for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll we'll see how this this really uh, pans out for them, but it's odd. I don't know how much of a problem it is in handheld mode. But as someone who did not get a pro controller, and it's not like I can get one at all now, right? Uh, yeah. They are, yeah. They are sold out. The biggest thing I've been hearing is that it cuts out for maybe like two seconds and then cuts back in. If that's all it ends up being, I don't know if that's a super issue. It's definitely more concerning for the console as a whole than it is for just one specific game.
0: Yeah, it's just Nintendo doesn't need another knock against it. You, as true. you mentioned, I mean, the circles that we follow, they don't need another thing against Nintendo to say, oh, well, oh, that's typical Nintendo. You know, they, they launched this half-baked console and it's just not ready for prime time and, yeah. and all that. So hopefully they can sort that out. Uh, it's, it's the same sort of rationale behind the idea of, oh, virtual console, not ready for launch. Yeah. I mean, is that a big deal to you?
1: I would say it's not a big deal to me. I am one of those crazy people that is only going to play Zelda. And, you know, I use the excuse of, well, you know, I'm in video games and I cover this for buying the Switch at launch. But I've also been saying, hey, if you're not really in this, you don't necessarily need this if all you want to do is play Zelda. And Mm -hmm. I still stand by that. It's just like, I know I'm a bit of a hypocrite when I take that step back. And this is just another, like, notch on that. So it's just... How they said we'll have more info on this at a future date. It's this is a, not a surprise to me, but what does that mean? Does that mean a future date, as in the Nintendo Direct that we're going to have in a couple of days, or is that the E3 show that we still don't know if you know we don't even know if they're doing a press conference that for that quite yet, though I wouldn't expect them to, uh, or is that in the fall when we have the online service launch? It's just there's too many question marks about just about the entire future of the Switch. I wouldn't argue the idea that this feels rushed out at launch, even though I think the hardware itself is going to be great at launch and it mm-hmm. wouldn't have gotten any better if they held it back for another six months. Right, But there there is a lot of concerns about the, the software as a whole. I don't know how much of a selling point it is for you, though. No, I mean, I'm, I'm the same way, like I'm going to
0: play Zelda and I'll, I'll get a actually Binding of Isaac is another one that I play a lot on my Vita, mm-hmm. but that never got the the DLC and the patches and the updates it got to Rebirth. And so there were like at least a couple big updates uh, since then with Afterbirth and Afterbirth Plus uh, that it just never came to Vita. And so when they're talking that, yeah, Afterbirth Plus, the latest version of that game is going to come to Switch. Now it missed the launch date. But it'll still be in March. But like that'll be another game that I'll get, you know, just to have portably and play you know, on the side. Uh, yeah. I don't need Virtual Console yet, uh, and yeah. as long as they have a good plan in place, yeah, as you said, I mean, it's the same rationale with why you know Mario Kart isn't this month. They don't want to you know have these big games clash and compete with each other. Uh, I hope that they're still working out what to do with the rumored GameCube Virtual Console. I think that could be a huge. Selling point. Man, so good. There'd oh, just be so much potential, you know. Analog
1: triggers aside, you'd you have Billy to, Hatcher like on your oh, man, <laughs> on your Switch anywhere you go. For
0: me, like I think the biggest interest there is Super Mario Sunshine. Like I've yeah. I've never played that game, and I think to get oh you've never played yeah, I've never played Sunshine, and you so, don't know where
1: you fall on the is Sunshine garbage or not debate. <laughs>
0: No, I mean, yeah, my first big Mario game was Galaxy. I mean, what a hell of a way to start! But yeah, you that, got that just shows that shows uh, my odd perspective on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's okay that it misses launch, and you can give Nintendo haters just another thing to talk about. But it's it's not needed, and it's it's one of those no. things where it's it's Zelda, and you could say Snipperclips would be another good one with Snipperclips hitting launch date. Uh, yeah. Fast RMX. A, a big new racing game like kind of the f-zero spiritual successor in a way yeah. and then uh shovel knight as well as with the uh the new specter knight dlc hitting launch i mean those are big and they'll have more uh indie games in a sort of showcase uh, this tuesday noon eastern time as you mentioned mm-hmm. uh but that's that's fine to have those supplemental games to kind of flesh it out a little bit yeah but you don't need much more than that
1: i think, I think- zelda offers plenty the reality is that as soon as people hear that they're going to have to pay for virtual console games again, then it w- it just it's just going to be worse overall to kind of like the public perception of the Switch in general. I don't know if there's a way where that can't be the case, right? Nintendo has put the technology in place where they can go from Wii U to switch and, and be able to transfer over those purchases. I think it was definitely different from Wii to Switch because of the backwards compatibility. And maybe right. I'm just totally speaking out of my field here, but I feel like that is even more of like a truth here, even if they do figure out their Nintendo account stuff. I saw yeah. an interesting
0: take where uh, someone mentioned with the NES Classic and how good the emulation was on that with the different options that... You know, put the same engineers behind that kind of work, uh, which, you know, you have some rumors say that they are uh, with yeah. you know, the different systems like that could show a lot of potential.
1: Yeah. And I w- oh, I would really like a SNES classic. I will that's say cool that. I'm just going cool. to keep putting that out in the Internet. Um, that is because I, I don't have a lot of love for NES games uh, since I was very early childhood for me. But SNES, ooh, dang, that's a good one.
0: <laughs> at the end of the day really though this is the beginning of the onslaught of spring games yeah uh, you know with with switch i mean if you count horizon before that you have mass effect andromeda you yeah. have persona 5 alex how are we going to survive i don't know
1: and like may is also has for me it has like prey in it as well which oh, Prey yeah. actually looks really great um, I'm sure there are other things in May. I think like maybe Injustice 2 is May. That might be June. I don't know for sure. Uh, May 16th, I believe. Yeah. So like it it doesn't actually stop. And then there was that uh, the leak that happened today as well. Um, oh, yeah. Of uh, possibly a sequel to Shadow of Mordor coming out in August, yeah. um, which leaves maybe two months of like downtime. Maybe Horizon and Zelda in the same week, like three days apart is already too much. And then Mass Effect, after that near Automata, which is somewhere oh, in the middle gosh, there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's that, people are raving about that demo from platinum.
1: Yeah. It's upsetting in the best way. At least it's like a good upsetting. It's the opposite of 2014 <laughs> yes, uh, as a year yes, for yep, video games. Yeah. So
0: 2017 uh, is going to be amazing. And, yeah. uh, it's only just beginning, so strap into your seats. And you've already strapped into your seats if you've been listening to this. I mean, you put two people with uh, 16 years of podcast experience between them. We'll, we'll talk for quite some time. I'm sure we could continue the conversation more. But what do you think about what we had to say so far? We'll get to the callers when we come back. What do you think about what we have to say? We'd love to hear your thoughts. You can also bring up whatever gaming topic you'd like to discuss. And don't forget, you can also reply to what another caller had to say, too. That's all when we come back here with Alex O'Neill here on the Power Switch. Welcome back to the Power Switch. First show with a co host and Alex, I know we, we like to talk a lot. It's it's all the years of the podcasting experience for sure. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not your fault. I'm I'm right there with you. But we're getting here to the calls and let's see how this goes with uh more than two people as the previous episodes have been. Joining us from Illinois, Yvonne, welcome back to the Power Switch. How are you? I'm good. Good, um, good. What's on yeah. your mind? What do you want to talk about here with I Alex to talk O'Neill?
3: About- um, I wanted to talk one about the Switch, of course, and I want to talk course. specifically about some of the pre launch problems we've been hearing about, uh, which were not a lot like two things I've heard, but still both of them are kind of. The second one, not as much. I'll get into that and you'll know what I mean. And then also the game lineup for that, just the at launch and just after, because I think people seem to think there's no games, or at least no original games, but I think that we're having a decent amount of original games. They just haven't been announced. And I know I'm going to get black for this, but wait till E3. I mean, they've had kind of a shit streak when it comes to E3. They're not very good. But if they want to be taken seriously, they, they have to. They have to have a good E3. So I'm not even saying that isn't they will. Like, they have to. If mm. they don't, a lot of people are going to be upset. It's going to make for it.
0: an intriguing watch, and I'm sure they'll announce some sort of digital event in May, yeah. as they usually do, uh, right before. Yeah. Yeah. That but it,
3: press conference was a mess. Yeah. I mean, with, yeah. When
0: you talk about you know no games, I mean that's that always seems to be a common yeah. thing. What PS3 has no games, Xbox One yeah, has no games.
3: I know <laughs> Colin's been tough. Talk- I know. I always talk about Colin, but he's he said there's no games a lot. I understand his point that there is a lot of these launch lineup or games that have already been on consoles, but then you've got the portability functionality and stuff too. So I'm just, cause that kind of adds on to the gameplay. You can take it anywhere.
1: It's odd, right? Cause when I think of the PS4 launch, the games that I got with mine were Assassin's Creed four black flag. Yep. Same. Which I didn't like very much. Really? Uh, okay. kills- I,
2: I, yeah. I liked it a
1: lot. <laughs> I like, I enjoyed it, but that was where that series really pushed me away. The modern day story was weak. Yeah. The modern day story was weak. That's always been a big appeal for me for that franchise as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, Killzone Shadowfall just did nothing for me, which is a bummer because I think that game overall was good, but that game specifically just did not speak to me in a way that I think even Killzone 2 and 3 did. And uh, Resogun, which I loved, and that's all I played on my PS4 for over a month. Uh, So at at the end of the day, I think...
3: Yeah, Resogun is a lot of fun. I remember Talon was talking a lot about that, and then I checked it out because he was talking a lot about that, and that's a gorgeous game, really fun.
1: I think those those smaller games really do speak to me more, but Zelda is a big yet. But I also think the idea that there's no games at launch speaks to a larger problem that is like the general idea of the consumer needs to get in at launch. Like you don't you don't need to buy this thing in March, um, especially because you can buy Zelda on another thing that you might already have.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think by the end of this year, you will have a Switch that is a very appealing product and hopefully an idea of a lot of things to come throughout next year and maybe the years beyond, uh, versus now where it's still Nintendo being very ambiguous. Like Nintendo is more of a shower, not a teller. And typically their games, they'll announce pretty close to, at this point, they'll announce pretty close to when they're, they're coming out. So I think you could reasonably hold off to like a September and come in with something like Arms, Latoon, and Zelda and be like, okay, I feel way better about this purchase. Um, and then you've got Mario coming on the horizon as well. And maybe Xenoblade Chronicles too, but that that's probably not going to happen. Yeah, Mario's going to be huge for the holiday for sure. Yeah.
3: Arms, yeah. arms I'm very excited for Arms. Um, I'm, I'm very interested. interested in I shouldn't arms. say excited, I'm interested. Yeah. I'm not like hyped, but it looks cool. Like, this is what, like the third new IP they've had in the last couple of years, maybe like a decade? Because 2000s was when Pikmin came out, right?
1: They've done yeah. other, like, smaller things in addition yeah. to Arms, but the, like Arms seems like a big push that like uh, but like splatoon you know splatoon Splatoon was the big one yeah. i think it's
3: interesting because it's like fighting games and the last time they did it was with uh third person you know multiplayer shooters with Mm -hmm. a twist and now it's like a fighting game with a twist Mm -hmm. i'm just curious to see how that turns out i'm very very interested in that yeah Um, i'm optimistic
1: there's a story in that uh, game, too, which I want to know what that what that even wanna, looks like.
3: It's probably really weird and insane. Didn't Splatoon have a really fun story mode?
1: I never actually played the story mode in that game. I only played multiplayer, I and I had a great time like, with
3: it. I think you fought, like, Octopus or something. Yeah, yeah. there's, like,
1: weird yeah. ink enemies. I, I so,
0: heard great things, particularly about the final boss in the campaign. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Do you guys have Wii U still? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah probably too late now but yeah maybe i could play like splatoon or something with you guys i don't know i don't know if I, you guys
1: still very play dusty <laughs> yeah. so i'll say t- i'll say that much i don't think i've touched it in since extra life which was the last yeah. time i had like a group of. what
3: about um on uh on, do you have like destiny on ps4 or i like, bought like, it open? but i never I, played I do it have destiny
1: on PS4. <laughs> i've closed yeah. the, the destiny chapter in my life also, just Peter as well, another game that might be coming out this year, Destiny 2. Just for that out there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: And uh, Red Dead
0: Redemption 2, if we're going to believe, you know, yeah. 2K. Yeah.
3: Because I got a PS4 and an Xbox One, and I have PlayStation Plus, but I actually want to use that, play some multiplayer. So I'm trying to find, you know, games that are multiplayer and people to play it with, which is kind of hard.
1: Yeah, so, especially with Destiny. I think at this point people have kind of... So,
3: yeah. Yeah, Chipped we could probably get more into that on like Twitter and stuff because I know I know we're talking about Nintendo right now So I was gonna also talk about how something about the joy cons. They were having really bad connectivity mm. problems apparently mm. I heard from Multiple reviewers and just people who have it have said that I believe
1: Yeah,
3: and then yeah, and then there was this video and I think this was more of just goofy I couldn't tell if it was trolling or not. They were talking about the kickflip stand or whatever Oh, it was oh, seen at video when, yeah, and that was kind of dumb <laughs> after the first I heard about it was like, "Oh no." And then I watched him like, "Yeah, this kind of trolling because no one's going to mess around with it like that." Like, yeah, uh, Alex, really, if you didn't see really it, is basically
0: they're out. seeing that people trying to like push the kickstand to its limits and see like, "Oh, see, this this isn't totally stable." And like they're judging the whole unit based on that part. Mm. And
1: uh, the really YouTube like to dislike ratio
0: very highly it was, in the negative. It was rough.
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah i mean that kickstand i'm not gonna lie looks super flimsy uh but i also know i will never use it so yeah. like i'm good with that like i don't even care
0: i may try to be the guy on the plane almost like in that trailer with with skyrim but just because i'd probably rather have yeah. it in
1: handheld mode is the thing
0: yeah, yeah
3: but i know. i almost well, it just more for the loss the plane yeah. tilts bit. <laughs> when the plane tilts a bit, it's gonna slide so Oh, yeah, true, true.
1: Yeah, hopefully my plane isn't tilting or else I have oh, bigger gosh. issues. <laughs> but
3: we'll No, see. I'm not talking like that kind of tilting. I'm talking like a... The turbulence. No, I, all, I know. Yeah. I'm, just, turbulence, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I know, I know. I wanted to talk about Xbox, if that's okay, and just the moves they've been doing lately. Sure. That's all right.
1: Yeah. Xbox is in a weird spot. We, we actually talked about it a little bit on IP, what we think is going to happen with the Scorpio announcement that is inevitably yeah. coming, yeah. just because Microsoft sent out their information about their press conference and how, you know, it's happening earlier in the week at E3 uh, and the cover image in the press release that they sent me was the same like Scorpio processor image that they've been using. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that is where they're going to do their big reveal. So
0: I saw an interesting take about Xbox and uh, I'm trying to remember where it was sourced from, but basically saying that, it's pretty clear this generation that PlayStation four has dominated the sales and you can trace that all the way back to, you know, the poor messaging and marketing very early on in the Xbox one's life cycle. But Xbox one is getting trounced in Europe. It's getting dominated in Japan, even though, you know, overall the console sales are slow there. We'll see how switch does there. I think, the handheld component is going to be huge, especially on you know, trains in Japan. But mm-hmm. as far as between PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, Xbox isn't bringing too much to the table. And so this take basically said, what if Scorpio is a way to kind of really attack and take advantage of the Steam Machine market in a way? The living room PC that That's Steam Machines tried to attempt to fill but failed because of the
1: uh, diversification of the product. Mm. yeah, I've been hearing similar yeah, that, things and I'd love to see that, yeah.
3: Yeah, that's what I was thinking because, you know, as the PCs market, people were kind of going against it, which I can understand with Xbox Scorpio saying, well, we already have an Xbox One and they're not going this far and already they're announcing a new console. I don't look at it that way. I think it's like an upgrade. And that's why they're doing the backwards compatibility stuff so that generations you know, that just jump in, don't get too far behind. And also, like I said, like a PC, the more games that come out every year, the more demanding for a PC. That's what I heard, that it's going to be a yearly or like every two years basis.
0: My yeah. Gosh, yeah.
1: I, I don't know if I could handle that. that um, I, that'd be a nightmare on the development front, just to think yeah. of all those different skews out in the wild. I will say this, like the thing that is enticing, especially going off of that idea of, hey, this is where Valve couldn't get it done, but this is where Microsoft could. A big hindrance for me even being interested in the Steam boxes was the fact that SteamOS, which was the cornerstone of that, ran on Linux. You could still get those Steam boxes, but in order to really have access to that Steam library, you'd have to boot that thing into Windows you'd have to have a dual boot of it in some Mm. way shape or form and then you get part of that great SteamOS interface which is great I think it is actually genuinely fantastic but in order to access the full library you'd have to kind of have this other thing that is less friendly to controller Um, Microsoft could really just make a PC and have it run Windows but uh, Windows built around a controller like a version of Windows that has the same architecture so that all those PC games will still work on it, but um, it's built around a controller interface.
3: Like I feel like they're trying to unite the ecosystems of PC and the console for on their department because they have the cross like play anywhere. They have the backwards compatibility. I feel like they're trying to do kind of like with Steam, have a really vast library of just stuff that you can play from other consoles and their current console that can be accessed both ways. That's the way I
0: look at it. Yeah, for sure. I mean it's you know, it's the fusion of Windows ten for both PC and Xbox. It's kind of the the blending there. It's the talk of a Windows ten update for game mode, where it's putting yeah. the operating system in, you know, a kind of configuration that's more suited for games mm-hmm. uh, all the signs are kind of pointing to that direction but with something like halo wars 2 and like that's that's their big game when you have you know sony's publishing horizon sony's published neo like uh, those are heavy hitter games this year and what is halo wars 2 doing <laughs> it's
1: a fart Before in a halo can wars. like
0: it's nothing
1: yeah it's it's crazy like that i feel like the conversation of Halo Wars Two compared to Horizon is just night and day. That's
0: nothing. Yeah, it's absolutely.
1: It's it's a bummer though because I think the thing with me is Microsoft been making a lot of weird. There's a lot of doubt in Microsoft's camp as of late, just to speak of their moves in general. Like canceling Scalebound, the big question marks on Crackdown Three still, um, and the realization of a lot of what they promised when they announced the Xbox One on the games front has like all fallen apart. You know, yeah. Scalebound's gone. Crackdown yeah. still isn't I out
3: been
1: out yet either yeah exactly and so there's a lot of worried
3: about
1: that game there's a but there's doubt in general in Microsoft's camp but the problem is you know I feel like it's still the repercussions of that that different era before Phil Spencer came in Mm -hmm. and I really just I I like Phil Spencer as a dude when he is out there talking and doing his Phil Spencer thing I just I want to believe him whatever he's saying just because I think he gets it I really do especially when you see him in those kind of more relaxed interviews, like the, the giant bomb E3 post-show interviews with Phil Spencer. If you've never looked these up, you should um, just to see him kind of spitting the truth and just talking about video games. And and in those things he talks about like Nintendo and Sony stuff that he's played and that he likes. And he's just, he's a genuine guy who likes games and thinks he can do something cool. So I want to believe as they really come into their own, like Scorpio, seems like the first thing under his regime that is going to be really vehemently theirs. Uh, and I really want to believe in that product, even if it ends up being a flop. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, at least until they show us what that is, um, and we can kind of really make a full judgment call. That's a very good point. Yeah,
0: I really can't wait to see. And I never really thought of it that way, where Don Matrix kind of essence in a way is still carried over. Even when something like Xbox One S, like you're still kind of... Heathered in the Roots of Xbox One, which, I mean, as you talk about the, the TV, TV, sports, sports, TV, and how far it has come. It's, it's mm. really remarkable. And yeah, Phil Spencer's great on Twitter, too. It's, yeah. I think the industry's in a good place with all the executives at this point, but, yeah, they kind of have all their different machinations. All right, Yvonne, thanks for calling in. People can find you on Twitter at PunkFan97. Yep. How, and everything, uh, everything going all right? You were trying to start a YouTube channel?
3: Yeah, I'm still trying. Uh, consistency's been hard, cause as I said some stuff's been going on. But I'm definitely gonna try, uh, you know, to do it again, maybe tomorrow or sometime. And definitely would like, you know, if you or Alex or whoever else is listening, yeah, please uh, check it out because, you know, it's always good. I like to do these for the sake of conversation. It's always fun. So, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's all about practice. All about consistently. And yeah, we yep. know that well for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, thanks for calling in, man. Have a good one.
3: Good talking to both of you. Bye.
0: Have a good one. Joining us from Michigan, Scott, welcome back to the Power Switch.
4: Glad to be back, Pete. Welcome, and uh, Mm. nice to meet you, Alex.
0: Nice to meet you, too, man. All right, what'd you want to talk about?
4: So, I got to say, the Switch, I'm definitely in Alex's camp. Uh, Really excited for the Switch coming out in the next week. Very, very excited. Zelda's going to be big. I'm honestly really excited that Snipper Clips is a launch title now.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it does look that really cool really for co-op fun. yeah.
4: So I'm gonna get that Zelda and then Bomberman, because I, when I got Super Nintendo, the Christmas I got Super Nintendo, we also got Super Bomberman, and I've just always had a very soft place in my heart for the original little round white Bomberman and then black Bomberman, and.
0: But it means giving Konami money. I I just can't do that, man. I always
4: forget. Oh, it's rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's I, I'm doing it for Hudson, not yeah. Konami. Plus it's a budget title so I can kind of justify I'll just download another Konami game or something, you know, on the side to hmm. to balance it out, but no, I'm excited for it. I am glad that Zelda seems to be doing really well in terms of the early reviews. I'm I'm trying not to watch too many of the preview videos. Yeah, same. But like I was saying, last episode, will we see a Horizon versus Zelda situation? I'm glad to see that it's not like a Skyward Sword incident. It sounds like where it was kind of a subpar Zelda
1: for a lot of people myself. It seems included. like it's almost the the opposite of Skyward right. Sword of like there's no so in all of the the previous I've seen there's no character that equates to a Navi or a Fi or Fee. Mm-hmm. It's it's completely without handholds. At all. Sorry about that, my dog's going. That sounded, that sounded like a Zelda monster for, for <laughs>
2: real.
0: <laughs> I need to put like, the battle music in there. <laughs> oh,
4: shit. Book open.
1: Book goblin yeah, yeah, attack.
4: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'll be really interested personally to see how well 1-2-Switch sells at launch here because that game is
4: going to go down in price so fast yeah yeah
0: Yeah, it has to it has to
1: even like even a nintendo game it has to
0: i think they've got to realize like the mistake of not bundling it in and i actually saw an interesting take it was it was for a different topic entirely it was uh when people were talking about the uh, the digital storage issue and how it was like, oh, 32 gigabytes, that might not be enough. And now oh, you really have 25.9 or whatever it is after the operating system. Ah! It's just like, oh that's... <laughs> so, oh, that's just not enough. And people were worried about that. These would be the same people that if it were 64 gigabyte on the disc itself. yeah. Uh, and if they had to charge an extra $50, like, you never hear the end of it. I mean, Nintendo would be doomed if Switch were releasing at $350 just because they added the extra 32 Yeah. So there's a lot of question marks still around uh, the launch. But I think, Alex, as you said, you know, if if you have any reservations at all, don't get it yet. Like, yeah, it, it'll you, be great by the end of the year.
1: You don't have to get it is the big thing. Like, no one is forcing you to buy this console. Things like this are kind of a little to blame of you. You listen to podcasts and there is this real need to want to be able to stay in that conversation or at least participate in that conversation as an active listener, you could say. Uh, And that pressure is on, and that pressure is very real of, like, Mm -hmm. I I want to be able to play the Switch, I want to be able to have thoughts on it, have hot takes, but just know that you have no obligation to that. Um, Mm
4: -hmm. I think on that point, though, so much of the Switch conversation is going to be based around Zelda for so long. And even Splatoon and Mario Kart, there's a lot of, like, ports and micro upgrades kind of Splatoon 1.5 that too seems to be kind of being. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the conversation's not going to be centered around necessarily the Switch, but Zelda, which you can also get on Wii U. And once the Switch is out, you're going to have demo units, you're going to have things along those lines. So people, I think, regardless, will be able to get some sort of input on it. It's going to be interesting. I'm excited and I completely agree with you guys until the holiday like with Mario Odyssey when there's probably going to be a bundle with either Zelda or Mario Odyssey. It's like you're fine waiting I think.
1: Yeah, Um, yeah, I have no doubts that this is going to be a banger of a holiday gift though. Like, Mm -hmm. Come Mm -hmm. that time you're going to have a lot of cool games to play on it I think. For sure. Maybe even Smash Brothers. Maybe Smash. (laughs) Oh, Fingers crossed. I'm with you. Please bring it back bring us a couple more characters
0: that'd, that'd be sweet yeah,
1: yeah that i just
4: want great. that cloud amiibo
0: subspace emissary
4: 2 let's make it happen <laughs> like
0: yeah there's, there's still those three missing amiibo um, yeah. my, my collection is is needing them dearly
4: in terms of other games you guys had mentioned how crazy of a year it's been already you guys didn't re- mention donk and rompa that's oh my coming gosh.
0: out v3 you have the
4: nonary games that's coming out granted that's a Remake port of the first two. You have ukulele.
1: You have. We mentioned ukulele. I feel like we. No, that was last week. I'm sorry. Last week. We mentioned that last week. Yeah. yeah.
4: Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, there's tons of games. You have the Kingdom Hearts 1.5, 2.5, like you said. Granted, that's also a port, but Mm -hmm. there are so many games. Nino Coonies this year.
3: Dragon Quest Heroes 2.
4: That's the one. Oh. New Fire Emblem, Injustice, Tekken. I mean the. Final Fantasy 12 HD. It's like there's no time this year. There is no time and no money this year.
1: It's actually drowning everyone forever, especially JRPG fans. Oh yeah. Um,
0: I can't believe you, I didn't realize, remember Dragon Rompa V3. Yeah.
1: yeah. I was like,
4: I can't believe Peter didn't mention that.
1: Yeah. No, I feel bad too. And the the thing was, like, that's coming at, like, September 20th or like in that yeah, week. Yeah, 26th, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And my, my co host, and he, like, te- we were texting about it. I'm like, hey, have you seen this release date? And he's like, yeah, you know, that's probably going to be the exact same day Destiny 2 comes out. And I'm like, <laughs> why would you say that? Why would you put that out there? <laughs> it might uh, be. And South Park might come out this year. At this point, you know, just like. Yeah, got delayed again. Who knows? <laughs> it might Who even be a better that. idea to do that. So. Game like of the, the, the year at the end of the year blast. is going to be insane. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, it's, it's going to be a bloodbath. Yeah, are you kidding me? There are games this year that I have been waiting years for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, is the biggest thing. Like many of these games, I've waited multiple years for. Yeah, you just say Zelda,
0: Mass Effect, Persona. Yeah, re- revealed like in 2015 or 2014 for some of them, mm-hmm. but to say that they had you know 2015 release dates attached to them at one time yeah. and no, nope, nope. nope.
1: And past back. that, like, uh, Danganronpa 3 and uh, Destiny 2 I've been waiting two years for, so... Mm-hmm. I think we were all ruined on Danganronpa 2 because they came out within six months of each other, so... Oh, seriously, yeah. yeah.
4: Well, what's going to be crazy is we're going to have a huge Zelda... We're going to have Breath of the Wild going up with Mario Odyssey probably for Nintendo Switch's Game of the Year. Like, they're yeah, that exclusive.
1: Like that, that makes me want to throw up. Bloodbath like, right there. <laughs> <laughs> Insane bloodbath. Speaking of bloodbath, what if like you know, Bloodborne Two gets announced? Oh god, it it, it really yeah. could. It really could. Yeah, it
4: really could. Like that's the crazy thing. Well, Is from it- software saying they're working on what three or four different titles, one of which probably being an armored core.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And then who knows what the others will be.
1: Yeah. You'd I've think started that, a yeah.
4: spreadsheet already, just so I can keep track of things. <laughs>
1: Or just just to keep track of my finances. Oh God. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
4: oh, I have one of those too.
1: <laughs> it's it's going to be wild. I, I
0: think that's going to be part of the fascination this year as it develops. Is like, oh, this this game got great reviews too, and like, oh, this game's coming out. And how does that shake up the game of the year race? Like, that's that's really going to be a lot of fun. But yeah. well, Scott, I know you're a big Tales fan, and, yes. and so, what better person to have on this show to talk about Tales of? And just go at it. Have, have fun.
4: <laughs> Tales of things. Yeah. So so, so you remember in uh, in Tales of Zestiria? Tori? When- <laughs> no, I'm not going to be like that. But I'm just curious, like, what you had mentioned with Tales of Symphonia, the leap from kind of similar in leap from your Paper Mario to Thousand Year Door. The first Tales game that really got me into the series was Symphonia on GameCube. I remember renting that like crazy to beat it and then eventually purchasing it. Mm hmm. And going back and replaying it on the PS3, the, the Symphonia collection, I realized that Symphonia hasn't aged as well and isn't as good of a starting point, I feel, as Abyss. I think Abyss is like the best starting point almost for modern Tales games.
1: Yeah, that's fair.
4: With the, with the 3D running and everything, I think just the systems starting at Abyss, you can. it's a lot easier to jump into the series and really get hooked. From abyss forward with the new games, and then go back to and see what made Symphonia really good. But as the first Tales game, I don't know if I could recommend anymore that Symphonia is the best.
1: Yeah, I think the reason I I would recommend Symphonia, and I so I was in a similar boat. Uh, Symphonia was my first Tales game, and mm-hmm. I actually I went into a GameStop, and I think it was Babbage's still at the time. So oh, wow, you. that's a that's a throwback <laughs> of a name. Yeah, uh and I bought it like completely blind. I bought it because there were two discs. There were two GameCube discs, <laughs> which is still the craziest yeah, thing that ever yeah, That's yeah. why I bought Biton Kaitos.
0: Yeah. Metal and, Gear Solid, the Twin Snakes.
1: Yeah, there you go. Oh, oh. yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's got right, that dude. one too. Great version of that game. It's the only version of yes. Metal Gear Solid one I've ever played. Fun Agreed. fact about me. Same, um, same. Yep. Uh but yeah, I don't I bought it almost completely based on the fact that it was like an action RPG. That the the person that Babbage is recommended it to me, and it had two discs, so I knew it was a long game, and I loved it. I actually played that mm-hmm. game, for the most part, multiplayer with friends, which is that's an old Tales hat uh, there. But I finished Tales of the Abyss for the first time like a year and a half ago. So 3ds
4: or the PS2 version?
1: PS2 version. I tracked oh, down. There
2: you go.
1: I tracked down a PS2 version of that game, and I I mean I really loved it. Uh, mm-hmm. It has like a very distinct narrative like i I don't want to say problem because it does pay off but you know they have a very specific approach with that game like making that main character so unlikable and then like you get to hit
4: you in the face with character like development like yeah going from luke in the beginning to luke at the end of the game it's like they just beat you in the face with this character is different than he was before
1: yeah exactly like they really force that development down your throat, and, and it's funny. Mm-hmm. Tales of Berseria does a very similar thing, but like so much better. It's ridiculous. Yeah, but yeah, like and you're not right, as like,
4: drastic. I feel in Berseria in yeah. terms of character changes,
1: but. as it it probably shouldn't be. because right. that that kind of stuff should probably be on the more subtle side. Abyss, it's it's hard for me to know that because Symphonia was my gateway mm-hmm. into that series, and playing Abyss only like after playing Vesperia, after playing Zillia and Zillia Two, and and then going back to Abyss and, and seeing that for the first time. Mm-hmm. But you're probably right as like a mechanical level. I think like the the kind of jolly nature of Tales of Symphonia makes it easier to approach. And then when you're like, okay, I like this series. I'd play another one of these games. That- right. If I told you, like, all right, here's tales of the abyss, and the first ten hours are gonna be real rough because this guy, like, listen, no, he gets better, promise, I promise.
4: I remember uh, telling Pete that he just so many head shakes and face palms yeah. with a lot of Luke's <laughs> earlier moments, and it's like, I swear, I swear, get through this part, oh. we'll just we'll just rush right through and get to the he sees the error of his ways kind of part, and then there's a haircut scene, and it matters, I swear, <laughs> haircuts matter. <laughs> I swear, it's symbolism, but he gets a haircut and he's better. I just his, hang in there with me. His, his anime portrait changes. It means something to You me. know that's important when that happens, when okay. the exactly. anime portrait oh, changes. Oh,
1: damn. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's just, I think, recommending Tales of the Abyss as a first game for someone to play Tales games comes with that caveat. Uh, whereas you can say, yeah, play Tales of Symphony, It's old, but it's cool. Um, is is a little bit different.
4: <laughs> right. Unfortunately, Peter didn't believe me, and he electrocuted his PS2 before we got there. So,
0: yeah, I did that That's whole right, Peter I'm... Griffin thing with <laughs> <laughs> zap.
1: <laughs> I modded my PS2 uh, to play Kingdom Hearts Two Final Mix from Japanese in English, mm-hmm. um, and then I broke it doing that. So, no. you know, we all we all made mistakes. No, yeah, sucks. I soft
4: modded my PS2 so I could do that, but I also have a f- actual imported copy of. Uh, the Tales of Destiny remake for PS2, mm-hmm. as well as Rebirth, Tales of Rebirth for PS2. Yeah. I haven't they're, played
1: anything pre-Symphonia uh, is the thing. Like, I've never mm-hmm. played Destiny or anything. I haven't played Tales of Hearts R, though, but I don't really have any encouragement to. Um, so I, I wish I, I could see some of that stuff.
4: The old games are old.
1: Like, yeah.
4: they're fun. Like, I like Destiny much better than Eternia, but okay. uh, it's fun.
1: It's, have you played Tales of Legendia? I have Legendia and I've played
4: part of it, but I have not beat it.
1: That game sucks, so it's, <laughs> it's good
4: totally fine. Good soundtrack though. Good soundtrack.
1: <laughs> it is a good soundtrack. What's your favorite Tales game?
4: Oh, man, my top three are definitely Abyss, Vesperia, and Berseria. Ooh, I that's think that's probably my uh, top three as well. If honestly, I, uh, I don't know. Berseria is still so fresh, and I'm still like, oh man, I re- oh that was so cool how they did this and this. I feel like yeah. I need to go back and replay Abyss and Vesperia, but if I had to pick right here on the spot, I would say Vesperia, because it has repeat. My man. The, <laughs> the knife-wielding, smoking, pipe-smoking battle dog. Yeah. Plus the voice cast and everything is so good with that. And stellar, yeah. The end boss isn't, like, some cruel, evil, maniacal demon oh, from so, another dimension. So it's so good. It's like, I can see why you're doing what you're doing. Uh yeah. got to kill you
1: anyway. Yeah, Duke is one of my favorite characters in all video games.
4: One mm-hmm. of my favorite
1: villains, I would say, um, mostly because he's not really a villain; he's an anti-hero.
4: I would love to see Yuri and Velvet inter- interact, though.
1: Yes, they are very similar characters, and yeah, I agree. Yeah. What's your favorite uh, Tales jargon word? That made-up word that they said this is going to be in our game now.
4: <laughs> I would have to say "enominate" from Berseria. <laughs>
1: It's a good one. Entelikea is still a really Entelicaea high one. Is,
4: is a strange one, too.
1: <laughs> just because how it's, it's like, spelled. It's an X in that exactly word. Exactly.
4: How it's spelled and just how often they say yeah. it. And it's like, I would have had no idea how to say Enomenade or however it was spelled in Berseria or Entelikea. Yeah.
1: yeah. Or Blastia.
4: Yeah. Blastia is a real good one. Bodhi Blastia. We'll throw a, an H in there. Yeah, it just fancy.
1: for fun. How did you feel about Tales of Zillia, too?
4: I thought it was an interesting take the power mm-hmm. ranger like system with the chromatis was a little interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the plot twists were good. I wasn't a huge fan how things were locked behind paywalls.
1: Yeah. Terrible. But yeah, did
4: not like that. I did like how in order to get the bad ending, you had to kill the entire exilia
1: cast. I did that by accident on my first playthrough. It's real, <laughs> it <was> real bad. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was like, like there ha- this has to pay off in some way. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm gonna keep hitting no here. Oh God, I'm murdering every. Oh my God. And they all swarm you, and it's
4: like, oh God. It's that really was seen afterwards. Hmm. I don't think the choice selection system really worked. No. I, I think if you're gonna try that, you need more than two
1: choices. Yeah, and I think that like the silence of the protagonist was too awkward for that game.
4: Well, and the fact that you unlock the ability in the grade shop to give Luger a voice. Yeah. In your second playthrough is just stupid to me.
1: Yeah, I do want to go back and play through that game with him with a voice though. Me too, Uh, just to see it. Yeah, I I think I like. I ended up giving that game like a six or a seven uh, Mm -hmm. on my site. Just like it is maybe the best playing like side to side these Tales games because of like the weapon change system and all that, uh, which is like super fun, super satisfying, and it has the link stuff from Tales of Zelia, but. There are a lot of problems. With I
4: that. enjoyed the combat a lot, and the story definitely had its high points. There were just some weird gameplay mechanics, I would say, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way yeah, um, and left kind of a poor taste in my mouth with Exilia 2. But overall, I mean, the only Tales game I would say I genuinely really don't enjoy and can't see myself going back and playing is Eternia okay. uh, for the PlayStation 1. I just The characters and the story just really didn't do it for me.
1: But For me, it's probably Legendia. But yeah, it's just because like I played that whole game and then I forgot everything about it because I didn't like it. <laughs> so.
4: Yeah, it's like Steel Ares, and I wasn't a fan for Legendia with Jay, the weird albino ninja boy or whatever.
1: That game's super weird. Yeah, it's weird.
0: I need to play more Tales games, but I may not be able to for
1: several months. <laughs> oh, for sure. And 2017 is not the year to play more Tales <laughs> games.
4: But yeah, I'm... More than willing to play any Tales game with you, but co-op and multiplayer and do stuff with. Oh, if we could get like an emulator and do like three-player Tales with you, Alex and I, and just I would do it.
2: Alex and I,
4: Tales nerding out, and Peter just looking completely lost with our references. I was like,
0: that is cool. (laughs) This is cool. He has
4: red hair. (laughs) (laughs) Oh god!
0: All right, Scott. Thank you for calling in. You're from DashingNerds.com
4: dashingnerds.com we just put up uh, or i just put up my review for tales of berseria so if you're interested by what we were talking about with the tales series be sure to check that out at dashingnerds.com and we'll have a new uh time hops video up this upcoming friday focusing on wolverine games for logan's release
0: oh nice good timing
4: and uh yeah are are we still on for a switch day on uh next sunday peter
0: you should make something like that happen i think
4: switch party Oh snap
0: good stuff Scott thanks for calling in appreciate the time
4: always happy to be here nice to meet you Alex and I will talk to you guys again
0: have a good one see ya and joining us from Illinois Video Game Guru 64 welcome back to the Power Switch how are you Uh, good 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 are uh, you looking forward to the Nintendo Switch
5: I'm <laughs> so looking forward to the Nintendo Switch I can't stand it I must have it right now <laughs>
0: It's it's really exciting. Less than a week away. What would you like to talk about?
5: I, I guess uh, the w- main topic was uh, the Joy Cons and talking about with the not connecting as well as some others.
0: It's a big issue, definitely going on right now, and it's uh, I think for a lot of Nintendo fans to have that excitement and anticipation for Nintendo Switch, just to have just the slightest thing like this, that we just expected it to work perfectly fine. Like, I don't think any of us could have anticipated saying, Oh, oh yeah. By the way, when you take the joy cons away, there may be conditions where they don't work all the time. And I think mean, yeah. it's just one of those things that like, it creates some uncertainty at least. And this is like almost the early adopter tax in a way.
5: Yeah. Have you seen uh, game explains uh, video on it and how they, uh, put it behind the back and uh, said that uh, it's the interference between the console and your body or something like that.
0: Now, truthfully, I have not delved into this. I don't want to kind of get myself in a downer and situation just worrying about it. I I figure if they have a day one patch, if they have a fix in place, I would honestly rather not worry about it. To be fair, yeah. uh, Alex, I don't know but, how you, how you feel about it. If you've done much research on this whole issue,
1: not quite. Um, I've honestly just been avoiding the video stuff in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. that's that's kind of like the main response of like just I'll just stay away from it. It's also sure. like just the issue in general is like I, I feel like it's a, a thing that might not be as much of an issue or might be more of an issue, but it's hard to know until you have your hands on it.
0: You know, like it depends on how far away your setup is between you and the TV, you know, certainly some variables. Uh, it's, I I just don't want to psych myself up about it. I mean, the hype's going to be big enough. I just don't want to add the angst to it as well. Exactly.
5: Yeah. The thing I saw in a video that wasn't game explained, it was, uh, something, somebody who knew what was going on with uh, the connection is they don't have enough wattage or something, uh, between the controllers and the Switch console itself Hmm. so and that may just be uh, review copies and that may just be like when we get the Switch uh, it has nothing wrong with it so
0: I I hope that's the case but I mean these were units sent out in retail packaging and they're doing on boxes and things I think these were these are retail units it would be one thing if it were you know just like a a pre-release, but yeah, if if there's some firmware update that has to be downloaded, I mean, I heaven forbid, hopefully it's not a five gigabyte update like Day One Wii U was, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's, if it's something like that, or if it's, I mean, because we're living in an age where Xbox One, you have to plug in your controllers to the system to download firmware updates for your Xbox One controllers, so like something like that is not outside the realm of possibility. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that it's just it's something that solved Day One. I don't have to worry about it. And I'm, I'll mostly be playing, again, this is a very, you know, personal situation, but I'll mostly be playing it portably anyway. So, I mean, yeah. Alex, as you mentioned, you know, the the allure for the pro controller seems to be growing more and more. Uh, day by
5: day. Yeah but, <laughs> yeah, but
0: now you don't have any stock, really, to kind of, you know, just immediately fill that that want. Uh, but we'll I, see how it goes.
5: I got... Uh... Uh, uh, Pre-order Pokemon Cola. It was
0: probably smart to do just to be on the safe (laughs) side. Yeah, I mean, but I I figure I'm covering my bases. I'm I'm in the situation with my pre-orders where I've ordered the uh, the gray Joy-Con Switch and also the Zelda Special Edition from Best Buy. That was like the first one that popped up after the uh, the Switch conference. And yeah, I've had bad experiences in the past with Best Buy pre-orders. And this one, it's like, you know, pick up at my local store. So I actually just went yesterday to say like, hey, am I in the system? Am I good hey, for this midnight launch? I, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get screwed I, over here.
5: I really uh, want to uh, do that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it's a good I idea. I want to make sure I'm in the system and uh, just uh, say, I have these receipts. I printed them out. And uh, if... I can get it on that day, then great. Or if I can come in at midnight, actually, that's another thing. I don't have a wide for the midnight launch, so if mm. anybody wants,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's yeah, it's it's a good thing yeah. to make sure of, uh, especially in my case where I also pre-ordered them those same items on Amazon because, okay. like, I, I just didn't want to be yeah. left without something on launch day. Now, I'll probably cancel. In a couple days, if you know that gets locked down, there's talk of like a coworker may want to to get one or something like that and work something out, whatever. But it's just it's you know trying to work out those last minute things before before Friday.
5: Isn't your wife uh, getting one as well? Uh,
0: uh, no, we're gonna we're gonna share one. Uh, she's mostly oh going to use it for. Oh. Uh,
5: um, I don't know yeah. if you're gonna show it. She might want it. She might want to own.
0: Yeah. I, I was considering it, but <laughs> as expensive as this spring is, dropping another three hundred sounds a bit steep. Uh, yeah, she's she's mostly interested in, in playing Zelda, and she'll do it for a, a streaming setup. So it needs the dock for the HDMI out, uh, and well, she has lots of PC games to play uh, as it is. Well,
5: okay, yeah. yeah, I guess so. It's it's just because uh, when you want to take uh, your uh, the Switch on your trips. Oh, gosh, that's a good and, point. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and,
1: exactly. <you're>, Sorry, hon. <laughs> <you're, yeah. laughs> Sorry, I need the the portable features of this. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good uh, point. <laughs> I'm only just concerned because anyone who followed me through the PS4 launch, I, I had that pre-order on Amazon as well. It was just me in like this very dark place until like 7.40 p.m. because it came like... Actually, twenty minutes before the cutoff oh, of where they say it would yeah, deliver, yeah, and it yeah. was just like, I guess I'll just go to bed. I don't know, <laughs> uh, go to bed sad. So, but like, you know, I'm sad only because I have the day off, right? So I have no excuse to do anything for that whole day. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, a friend might be coming over in anticipation, and we might just do something else in the meantime. So it should be fun. We'll it should say, be really exciting.
0: Yeah. yeah. Are you getting anything else, uh, Video Game Guru '64? Uh, other than you know Zelda, any other games you're getting?
5: I I just ordered my uh, 200-gigabyte memory card on uh, Amazon Mm, earlier this week. And it's coming sometime before or after the Switch. Mm -hmm. So I have that. I have the special edition of Zelda. I have have, uh, Super Bomberman R and the Switch Pro Controller. And I, I couldn't get it. In store, I have have to have it shipped to me. Mm, yeah. So, and it's Best Buy as well. So, yeah, they're, they're they're pretty yeah.
0: good with usually getting to you on launch day. Yeah, as far as those. And things. then,
5: and then uh, the Switch itself. I don't know if I want to get the grip though. That's the mm, only the charging, thing I don't yeah. have. Yeah. yeah, I mean, 30. hopefully
0: the the Joy Cons should charge when the system is docked. Uh, you'd imagine like they just charge naturally and they they apparently have a pretty good 20 hour battery life. Yeah. So that yeah. should be nice. Um, there was
1: a real moment where I was like 20 hours isn't enough.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, 20 hours isn't enough.
0: I mean, yeah. what the uh, the Wii U Pro controller had like 80 and that was incredible.
1: Yeah, yeah. that thing was great. That'll take you through a week. But then like the the 4 hour gamepad. Oh god, <laughs> real yeah. Life, no but, or way. battery life, so.
5: You could have gotten uh, yourself an upgrade to that 4 hour battery life, but whom cares
1: about that yeah like who cared enough to open up their their gamepad battery pack yeah yeah probably
0: sounds as much of a nightmare as opening up the back of a new 3ds
5: so yeah (laughs) yep (laughs) that's what i did Mm -hmm.
1: unfortunately
0: all right video game guru 64 thank you so much for calling in hope you have a a great week leading up to the switch hopefully it goes by quickly and uh hope you enjoy
5: if you wanna play some multiplayer games, I'm uh, video game Guru sixty four on uh, the Nintendo Network and on uh, the Switch. Oh, now I yeah, got your Switch well,
0: ID all locked in. Good, good. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, man. You thanks too. again. Have a great one.
5: Yeah. Yep.
0: Have a good one, man. Uh, see ya. All right, when we come back, we'll wrap things up quickly and talk about the games that Alex has been playing recently. Some titles that I have not even touched and I'm curious to hear about. So that'll be when we come back here on the Power Switch. Welcome back to the Power Switch here with Alex O'Neill. It's been... A longer show than usually for this show, but it helps. Good conversation. It's really good to hear from the people and uh, just different perspectives here with uh, less than a week to go for Nintendo Switch. Yeah. A lot of hype, too. Yeah. Yeah. V- very excited. Uh, and j- Great contribution. Always always good to, to talk to you. But I want to hear from you about the games you've been playing recently. We've heard about your, your favorite games, favorite series earlier in the show, but... Let's wrap things up with a little more recently. I talk about sometimes the games that I'm playing, but let's talk about what our guest is playing. And Alex O'Neill, what's, what's been going through your game library lately?
1: Uh, so, I mean, the big thing is I just finished Tales of Berseria, which mm-hmm. obviously we've talked a little bit about on the show, which, oh, man, that clocked me in at like 67 hours or something. Dang, at the that's, end of it. It. that's solid. Yeah, that game is very long. Um, I think the only Tales game that I've finished that took nearly as long was Tales of Vesperia, which is about, like, 74 hours. Uh, if you, like, do the thing right and and do all the fun stuff, that's that's kind of along the way. Um, but, yeah, Berseria, I, I tried to do as many side quests as I could before I finished it. That game has a pretty all right system of indicating to you, like, that there is stuff to do here and there's still side quests left. It doesn't seem like there are any gates where you can really miss anything, which is good. But, yeah, that that game is really excellent. I finished writing my review of it uh, on Friday, uh, just kind of trying to encompass how I felt about it and how I feel it fits into that series as a whole. Because I do think it is a really big step up. It's a really big departure from a lot of the mistakes that that franchise has made in the past. So just trying to consolidate how I feel about it and everything. And a big part of it was just getting it out of the way. Before diving into Horizon and then Zelda yeah. on Friday. So, yeah.
0: How much of it do you think was, you know, playing the the role of anti heroes or antagonists? What you normally would be, quote unquote, the bad guy.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, how much of it was playing it, the bad guy? Because uh, it really is kind of all of it. Yeah. Just to uh, kind
0: of put a fresh spin on it or anything like that? Or
1: it does because they approach it from a very smart perspective, which is a thing like I don't think a lot of really traditional JRPGs ever get to say. Um, I think like Final Fantasy XV does a very similar thing of focusing on character where a lot of JRPGs get a little bit too caught up in the the save the world narrative. If anything, yeah, Final yeah. Fantasy XV actively doesn't care about its save the world <laughs> narrative. Um, you
0: can just drive around and do whatever, but eh, no, yeah. don't worry about this plot.
1: Uh, and, and Tales of Berseria very smartly weaves The character driven narrative, because it is way more about its characters than I think a lot of those games have been, uh, into the main narrative. Essentially, Velvet, the main character, her story is the main story. Uh, And all the other five party members have plots that you get introduced to as the story goes on. And then they break away. The conclusions to those break off into the subplots and the side quests in the game. And they all have really killer conclusions. And they all get explored in a really smart way as well. So I think the, the game is very smart, and the way it positions you as an anti hero is good. Like, you in, know, in, in the end, maybe you're not the big bad, um, and maybe you're not in the wrong necessarily, but you definitely do a lot of wrong things,
2: mm.
1: and you have to kind of own up for those things by the end of that game. And that topic is difficult to approach. They really go for it in a really really cool way. I don't want to say too much, oh, yeah. uh, but they they do some some cool stuff, and there are some like scenes that are uncomfortable to watch in a very interesting way, um, and it's it's genuinely cool. I'm like very happy with how how they go for it. Awesome, awesome. And I think I, I was tuning into some of irrational passions last night. You have also been digging into Neo? Yeah, that's consuming I guess the other half of my time I think I'm about halfway through that game I want to say I've completed half of the main story missions so I would guess that I'm halfway through that game that's like a more complicated thing I'm more conflicted with how I feel about it than I would say I have been with a game in a long while and part of that is because it so actively takes from Dark Souls right um, right I don't know where you're at with the Soul series in general. I, I can watch them. I have okay.
0: no interest to play them. Yeah. So I'm it's, a big fan. It, so. Okay. Okay. And that I makes played, sense to pick up I've Neo. I've played then, all yeah.
1: five of them. You could say so. Like that would include Demon Souls Demon's and that Souls. would include Bloodborne. Yep, yep. Um. So Neo falls way more in the Bloodborne camp than it does anything else. Especially because there's like no shields and things like that. So familiar topics that that Bloodborne kind of brought to the table It's like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna change this up and we're gonna make things faster. And I love Dark Souls. Like Dark Souls One is one of my favorite games ever, uh, and that game does so many incredible things. You know, they iterated on it, they changed it up in Bloodborne. They did. They've done so many cool things across that franchise as a whole, and it has accomplished a lot of the goals that were set out either in Demon's Souls or Dark Souls 1. Like they've built on them and then they've just nailed it. Like I don't know if you could make a Dark Souls 4 that could be better than than what they've already accomplished. And that's why I think they're walking away from that series. Yeah. But Neo, it takes a lot from that. And I don't know if it accomplishes the things it borrows as well as Dark Souls. And by taking a lot of those ideas, I think you are taking with that the need for people like me and and players out there to compare the two, right? Like you actively borrowed from this other franchise. So of course you are going to actively borrow comparison, but it it still puts me in the difficult spot of like, I don't want to sit here and compare this whole game to dark souls or bloodborne. uh, Because I think there should be a more interesting conversation around that game than just, well, it's not this and it is this uh, in comparison to something it isn't. Mm -hmm. Um, But it also doesn't execute on some of those things as well and it has a lot of other problems like some of the the things just to summarize a little bit that i brought up on ip when we recorded last night is when i died in dark souls it was because i ran out of healing items or ran out of some item or got caught in something it felt like i was using my resources that i had available to me but when i die in neo many times it is because uh, I don't even have time to use my resources. And it isn't to say that the cause of my death is a surprise. It is because like, I feel like the the game is pushing way too hard back against me as the player. Like, My health bar goes down so quickly. My stamina bar is depleted instantly. And if I try and guard something, if anything, it makes everything worse. Like, It, it leaves me more vulnerable when my guard is almost instantly broken. So it puts me in a tough spot as far as I have all these things I could use, but I don't have time to use them because the game is too punishing to that. And then another thing on top of that is just like it, it, it seems to disregard its systems in a lot of cases. Like it has this guard system, it has all these different abilities and skills you can learn, but I feel like the path of least resistance is always to, to cheese something or mm-hmm. or to go about things the same way over and over again which feeds back into the fact that you see a lot of the same enemy types and you see a lot of the same areas over and over again. And it brings this air of repetition to that whole game as opposed to just one part of it. And that hurts it overall. And I I know I'm focusing on the negative, and all of this comes with the caveat that I do really like the game. I I have a good time playing it, but its flaws are more apparent because of what it borrows. And that's that's kind of frustrating because I I see a better Neo in Neo... (laughs) Hmm. Uh, and I just wish it could be that. Ah, that's interesting,
0: yeah. And for a game that had such a long development cycle, too, it's interesting how I don't know the history of it enough to know when they kind of noticed the different Souls games, you know, popping up and saying, Oh, we should kind of emulate that. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting the timing of how that all worked out,
1: yeah. It definitely is. I would love to know when that shift came because like they've been very honest in their interviews and their conversations around that game that's saying that they are definitely borrowing from that um but they're you know excited about what they're doing with it as well mm-hmm. uh and i think they do exciting things on top of that i don't want to say this is just dark souls are bloodborne but not as good uh because they add things to that formula that do make it cool but I don't know if I could think of a better Neo. I don't know if I could see this game being better than what it is. It's just like the things that are so systemic to it uh, are also deeply flawed. Now,
0: Scott, over in our podcast chat on Discord is asking, what did you think about the level-based structure
1: of Neo? I think it it, it works for that game really well. I prefer the Dark Souls 1 structure of like a a world that is very intricately connected to to different parts of it. Mm Mm-hmm a lot of people bring up demon Souls. demon souls is kind of structured in a in a very level like way uh, a couple of my co-hosts uh, very much prefer that as well but i i think there's a time and a place for it uh, i think it works for neo because it allows them to mix things up in in cool ways that i didn't expect like playing through a level reverse in a submission of that level like a another mission that isn't as long, it's not as much of a commitment, is actually kind of fun. And it it takes a little bit of that stress off knowing that maybe at the end of this sub-mission there isn't going to be a big boss. Like, when you go through a main mission level, you know that there's some boss at the end and you kind of have an expectation for the time commitment that is, and it's much longer than than the other things. Um, But the times when they play around with that format has been the most fun. Like, there was one... Main mission that had two bosses in it, like one in the middle and one at the end, and they're big, major bosses. Um, and they're main missions that play around with the idea of having a boss at all, but there's a lot less of that than I would like. Uh, and there are a lot of submissions, like way too many. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, you know, there, there don't have to be, like, your, your game doesn't have to be full of a thousand missions. It's fine because it lets you grind out kind of inherently by just playing the game. It feels like you're always pushing forward, but it's also. Well, I'm seeing a lot of these levels over and over again. So it works for and against it. Very interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm glad the game is resonating with that
0: audience. It's just, it's not a game yeah. for me at all. And that's just, you know, different tastes, I suppose. But I'll yeah, tell you, with cool. all the different things that we've had in common with Persona and, and the like, it's, it's, still, it's still pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's a cool, I'm glad it exists. I'm glad Neo's out there uh and I, I as as a big fan of that that series i just really want bloodborne too <laughs> so.
0: yeah oh gosh and it's, it's entirely possible i mean we we're kind of alluding it to it earlier but with with playstation and, and sony's conference the D 3 with all the games that they've announced so far and you can kind of just plot like you know, this studio is working on this i mean yeah, sucker punch is is absent from that list at the moment but mm. you could almost imagine that like well if if they have new things to offer new things to announce like Bloodborne two would make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, it's, it's it would make sense for that to happen.
1: Yeah, exactly. Anything else you've been um, playing? Um, the only other thing uh, recently was like Resident Evil Seven, which oh, I ended up yeah. finishing, and I ended up loving. Where I total, I totally did not think I would like that game, um, or at least I, I thought I might like it, but I didn't know I would love it uh, like I did. Because um, I'm I'm still pretty new to horror. I used to really actively hate horror. Not just because it was scary, but just because it it felt too predictable to me. Mm. But things like uh, Until Dawn really changed that for me, and Dead Space is the big one. Dead Space One is a phenomenal video game. Yeah, um, even like I, I like Dead Space Two a little bit more just because of the setting. But yeah, that that series really brought me into horror. So Resident Evil Seven executes. So well on some of the concepts in that, and some of the concepts in *Until Dawn* of like being a little predictable and being a little tropey, but then playing around with that expectation, and it's it's great. It's that's a, a super great game. I honestly considered just playing through it a couple more times and, and trying to get that platinum trophy, uh, which I haven't in a long, long time with video games. Mm. Um, I think the last time last platinum trophy I got was *Batman: Arkham Knight*. And there was like an obligation to that because of I got the Arkham Asylum Platinum Trophy and the Arkham City one. Yeah, you should, so you
0: might as well at that point. Oh, man, all the complete Riddler Complete the Rock trophies, City Trilogy. All yeah. the Riddler
1: trophies. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Resident
0: Evil 7 is one that I have on the rent list. And because, uh, yeah, I'm not big on horror either. But mm-hmm. for for what that series is doing to kind of try to reinvent itself, you almost have to like
1: give it a try. Did you play VR at all? No, unfortunately, I do not have access to VR at the moment. I was going to get it um, with Resident Evil 7 when that came out, but I decided to just kind of maybe hold that money off and go to another event this year. Like Uh, Switch? (laughs) Well, Switch I had actually saved up money for beforehand. Okay, okay. uh, I was lucky. I have not had to worry about Switch for a little bit. That's good. good. But I was like, eh, well, I could maybe go to PAX West or something like that. There you go. Nice. I decided against getting it, and maybe PlayStation VR could see a a price drop or a a new iteration with the same price it has now in the future. So, very possible. Maybe it's it's a good call. But yeah, Resident Evil 7, regardless, like having not played VR at all, super great. Um, Very, very fun. It has a good time. It's paced beautifully. Uh, It's just like all the beats of that story and the way it kind of reveals stuff to you and the way you go through the different areas. It's like that game is kind of like a Metroidvania in a lot of weird ways Mm. Uh, in the way it does backtracking in the way like you go back to an earlier area pretty late, like a lot later in that game. It's like, cool, now I have access to all these new areas. And it's like, cool, I'm seeing these same areas, but in a very different way. Uh, And that part like very specifically reminded me of uh, Metroid. So yeah, I, I ended up just really loving it, loving how it was laid out and... Uh, really appreciating the things they did with that franchise. I've only ever played 4, 5, and 6, so okay. I've played a little bit of the the remake, re-release on PS4 of Resident Evil 1, uh, which I've liked what I've played, but essentially I don't have a deep-seated love for that franchise, um, but I do love 4 and I do love 5. 6 is a disaster, but <laughs> <laughs> it, it's cool to be able to see Capcom really reinvigorate a franchise like this again. Although I thought they did that a few years ago with DMC Devil May Cry, oh, yeah. but I guess I am in the minority on that. <laughs> I, apparently. I
0: I kind of like that game too, but then again, yeah, I don't have the the lineage with playing those games in the past. So, mm-hmm. so what does my opinion count for? You know. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's very cool. Good to good to hear. Yeah, some bangers coming uh, out no, this year, yeah, right. definitely. And uh, gosh, I can only imagine with the the months ahead. I mean. I, I'm seeing more and more stuff for Mass Effect. That's another one where like the previews are coming out and really, really positive. And it's just like, where is my time going to go? It's it's just yeah, it's going to be sunk in video games. And yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah, they are worse things. So. <laughs> Well, that'll do it for this episode of The Power Switch. We are hosted by RhymesWithAsia.com, and we're on YouTube and Twitch at RhymesWithAsia. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Power Switch, And you can email us any questions, concerns, comments, or opportunities at powerswitchpod at gmail.com. You can subscribe to The Power Switch on podcast services such as iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And if you could be so kind as leave a review, that would really help as well. Most importantly, to participate in future episodes, you should join our community on Discord by visiting RhymesWithAsia.com slash call. It's a small but growing community in these early months of the show. It'll be easier than ever to have your voice heard on this podcast. Alex, thank you so much for joining us. Really a pleasure. I know a longer episode than we've been uh, establishing for these these first 12 episodes or so. But when you add another voice in there, especially one so experienced in the the podcasting form, it kind of just... Happens and we, we just talk it out in a way. So, really, thank you for joining me. Really, a pleasure. And I'll have to have you back on in the future.
1: It was it was a ton of fun and I it was really cool interacting with this community as well. Like, uh, yeah, it's you, you throw two voices together like this, and I am bound to get something something both cool and probably way longer than you anticipated. So, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's our our past experiences kind of uh, kind of pulling out from our past there. So, uh, Mm -hmm. any YouTube video you recommend watching is
1: something kind of add here to the end of the show. Um, I mean, the big one is gaming related because uh, at this point it's kind of like all I'm, all I'm into, but, uh, the easy allies have been doing a a couple of great things. Uh, and one of their, their shows that is, is very cool that I just kind of recently discovered is, uh, Don's discount gaming, um, which is like one of the video editors there, uh, Don Casanova, going around finding deals in gaming. Uh and it's a very weird show. Uh it's funny though and it's kind of like a little postmodern in some of its execution, which is a weird thing to say about a show about video games. It's not super about video games, I'll say that. Um but it's consumable, it's like 10 minutes long. It's very enjoyable. So that's youtube.com forward slash easy allies and they're a big group that I've been getting into a lot yeah these are what, the
0: uh, these are the game trailers guys that moved over and did their own thing is there a particular episode that you'd you know say that people should start on watching
1: um I watched episode 9 I think and you get a good grasp because there's just some weird stuff in that episode uh, you get a good grasp on what they're all about at least in Don's discount gaming as far as um, their stuff as a whole I think any episode of uh, the Easy Allies podcast or any episode of uh, Frame Trap, particularly the most recent one, which are the two podcasts that they do. Frame Trap is more of like a discussion show about the games they've been playing, and uh, the Easy Allies podcast is more of a news driven show. Um, either of those would be a great place to just kind of get a feel for those personalities. Mm-hmm. There's Zelda preview
0: coverage with the it's like a four or five minute video that they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, that was really unique and engaging. I, I found that to be one of the more enjoyable things that I yeah. uh, took in about Breath of the Wild on that media preview day. So definitely check them mm-hmm. out. And I want to give your channel a plug. I mean, go check out Rational Passions. If you like this kind of longer podcast format to talk about video games in a in more in-depth way. Uh, just kind of looking into games you're playing, the the news. Uh, Alex does a great job over there, and again, I kind of brought it up at the top of the show, but really impressive for continuing for six and a half years, and you know, and beyond. Really, uh, you know, to keep pushing forward, and it, it's really, really admirable. And I, I don't know too many other people who've done something like what I've done, and to kind of mm-hmm. have a, another kindred spirit like that is is admirable, and so I really look up to you in that way.
1: Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. It's obviously means a lot. So, mm, mm. Uh, any other plugs that you'd like to, to give about what you do or anything else like that? Two big things. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at alfighter27. That's probably the best way to see everything that I do and all the the shows and stuff I host. So, if you want to see Irrational Passions live, you know we record live on Google Hangouts on Air every Saturday night. So you could maybe see uh, something. I'll tweet about it there. Uh, the other thing is I'm going to be at PAX East. If you're going to be at PAX East. Uh, feel free to come over and say hi. I'll be with the group of idiots uh, yelling about Irrational Passions and having a good time. So uh, that's going to be super fun, and we're going to have a lot of very, very cool content coming out uh, around that, uh, previews and and podcasts and, and maybe videos uh, just surrounding all the stuff that we're seeing there. So that's IrrationalPassions.com, and that's where you can get pretty much everything Irrational Passions. Good stuff. Good stuff. As far as the next episode of
0: the power switch, we may have one during the week. It really depends on what news comes out. It could be, you know, more Warner Brothers leaks. I mean, they're talking about shadow of war leaking today. There's, there's those rumors about, you know, they want to talk about the, the Batman game was it Arkham insurgency. I think is the rumored title. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So we'll see if something like that happens. Regardless, stay tuned to our Discord channel as that develops. Uh, Regardless whether it's live or on your own time, I look forward to you joining us for our next episode. With that, for Alex O'Neill, I'm Peter Spasia. Until next time, switch up, call in, game on.